Lord God, by your spirit, do something fresh in our hearts this morning that we may hear your voice afresh. We ask it in the name of the word made flesh, Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for this invitation. Thank you to Providence High School as well. Magnificent singing. Now then, have you ever been to a town where they tell you nothing much happens around here? In movies, it's the kind of place they call a small town, as in small town America, where the skies are cloudy and the houses are gray and life just trundles along in a predictable kind of way where the height of drama is the mayor losing his cat, or Christmas shopping starting a few days early. It's not that nothing happens, it's just that nothing very new or different seems to happen. Nothing unexpected, no sizzle of surprise. Nothing new ever happens around here, they'll say, just the same old, the same old. We've seen it all, nothing new under the sun around here. Perhaps the job you're in is a bit like that, where nothing new seems to happen. You've got to the point when you realize the people you work with aren't going to get any nicer. Your office chair will never get repaired. The photocopier will always jam when you need it most. Your salary is frozen, and so is the office for that matter, because the heating never quite works. The comedy show, The Office, comes to mind, but actually that's high adrenaline compared to where you work. Nothing new under the sun here. Or you're a student here. You started well, full of high hopes, but you've come to see you're not as bright as you thought you were. You've got some issues you can't get rid of. Scars from the past, from your parents, your school. And there's not a lot you can do about that. The leopard spots are pretty well fixed now. You're just not as exciting as you thought. You're not going to revolutionize the world. You're just plain old, same old, predictable old you. In this kind of world, if you want to liven things up a bit, the best you can do is to rearrange things. So at work, you give the budget a new title. You reshuffle the committee. At home, you shift the furniture around. You redesign your Facebook page. But deep down, nothing really changes. An academic once told me that the surest sign a university present hasn't, president hasn't got any new ideas is when they try to reorganize every department. It's activity without novelty, nothing new under the sun. And this is what the Apostle Paul calls living in the old world of sin and death, where there really are no new starts. In fact, the big picture is of things just slowly running down, tumbling down predictably towards death, where there can be nothing new under the sun. Now we're beginning to get a feel of what it might have been like to be Jews in exile in Babylon 500 years before Christ. You're a refugee out in the baking desert. Your parents were deported here, dragged from their beloved Jerusalem across a barren wasteland and forced to live in this vast alien metropolis, Babylon. 
And all this is our fault, or at least our parents' fault, our people's fault, Israel's fault. We betrayed the God who loves us, and we've got what we deserve. And that's it. You're pretty well resigned to the fact you're going to spend the rest of your life here amid the towering temples to the Babylonian gods. You don't know any other reality. Sure, life could be a bit worse. We've got food and water, and some have housing. But we've got no rights, no right of trial, no legal aid, and no temple of our own, no Jerusalem. We'll never see Jerusalem again. And there's no sign anything will be different. Sure, we want to believe in a God of justice. That's our God. A God who will put the world to rights. But there's no sign of that around here. Best not to hope too much. Best just to mix with the culture and go with the flow. Nothing is going to be different. There's nothing new under the Babylonian sun. Until one day, you're in your local market. And you hear words from a street preacher. Jewish words. Not Babylonian words. Urgent words. New words. News of a new world. A world to come. News of a new start. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Could it be a new thing? Lines from West Side Story come to mind. Could it be? Could it be? Yes, it could. Something's coming. Something's good. A new start is on its way, we're told. A new world is coming, so this prophet Isaiah tells us. Your misery is about to end. A liberator from the north is on the way. There'll be a new exodus, a new liberation. The Babylonian fist will be prized open. And you'll be free to return to your homeland. Could it be? Could it be? News of a new start. God's new start in the midst of the old. Notice some things about this dream of a new start. First of all, and most obviously, it comes from a beyond. It's no good telling the Jews to get a grip on themselves and escape from Babylon and race back across the desert to Jerusalem. They're prisoners. They can't liberate themselves. It's no good telling someone who's up to their eyes in debt just to pull themselves out of it. It's no good telling someone trapped in depression to snap out of it and get a life. You need something from outside your old world. The other day I was talking with a, a student deeply weighed down by a sense of Christianity's horrendous record of oppression. The church's blood-stained history of persecution, torture, inquisitions, colonialism, racism, and so the list could continue. We hung our heads in shame. And it dawned on us there really are only two ways of seeing ourselves as Christians today. Either we'll believe we're really locked into all that, locked into the world of sin and death, trapped, entirely trapped by our past, or else we dare to believe 
in the midst of the old world, some kind of new start is possible. Forget the former things, says the Lord. That means don't get locked in to the old world. Don't be ruled by the past that condemns you. That's what Isaiah seems to be saying out there in Babylon. A radical new start. In fact, it's so radical, he uses an amazing word to describe it. A word the Jews use only for God creating something. He's saying the new thing will be like a new genesis. A new let there be a new creation. Could it be? A new start in the midst of the old from beyond? Something new under the sun? Notice another thing about this new start. Isaiah seems to be saying it won't run down. How many times have we looked at a glorious sunset like the one we had last night and we wanted to say, hold it right there. But its beauty is fast to fade, quick to sink below the horizon. And the same goes for us. The first wrinkles in the bathroom mirror, that first hair to turn gray, the last hair to leave our shining crown. I was having dinner with a friend the other day and he said, I got up this morning and I went straight to the bathroom mirror and I looked at myself and I thought, is this what I've come to? <laughs> however many gyms we join, however many new diets we try, the body succumbs to the running downness of all things. Even Stephen Hawking can't defeat the downward pull of mortality. As he reminded us, the whole universe is destined for a mega heat death or a giant collapse, the big crunch. Either way, it's a bleak picture. It all runs down in the end. But suppose, just suppose, this God of Isaiah, this Holy One of Israel, as he calls God, suppose this God is the one who brought this entire cosmos into being, as Isaiah says. Suppose this God, this God, never runs down, never grows tired or weary, as Isaiah says earlier. Suppose this God were something like my mother, who used to spend hours and hours tending a drooping plant on the kitchen shelf, <laughs> refusing to let it go. Suppose this God were like a friend of mine who visits a chronic schizophrenic in prison every month when virtually no one else is visiting him. Suppose this God were a God of limitless kindness, stubborn faithfulness, who just won't let the world go, who just couldn't let us go in the end, despite all our failures. Could it be? Could it be? A new start in the midst of the old that didn't run down. Something eternally new under the sun. And a third thing to notice about this new start Isaiah talks about. It makes the old new. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A way that is a path through the impossible rockiness and rivers, streams of running water in the barren wasteland, the sterile, 
made fertile. Could it be that the worst of our lives could be remade? And Isaiah gives us a wider vision than that, much wider. Later on, he talks about God creating new heavens and a new earth. Now it's the whole cosmos that's going to be renewed, not just humans, but all things, the entire universe, overhauled, reconstructed, a giant, mind-splitting, cosmic makeover. Could it be? And you start in the midst of the old that makes the world new. But hang on, let's come down to earth again. What actually happened to the exiles? Well, Babylon did fall to the warrior from the north, Cyrus, and the Jews were released and they did return to Jerusalem. There was a new start of sorts, but it was very partial and very short-lived. The Babylonian empire fell, but new ones arose. And yet again, the Jews get crushed and ruled by foreign nations. Yet again, nothing new seems to appear on the horizon. Perhaps Isaiah's dream was no more than that, a dream. Until one day, in an unpromising little town called Nazareth, a nothing much happens around here kind of town, a teenager with a fiancé called Joseph gets some news. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, the angel tells her. She's going to have a baby, but not by Joseph, it seems, but by God's own spirit. Something new, something head-jerkingly new is about to start up here, in the midst of the old world of sin and death, in the midst of another vast empire, the Roman Empire this time. God enters the old world of sin and death as a human being. Here in this woman's womb, the womb of the old Israel, God is bringing to birth a new Israel. God is restarting the human race. A new world is being born in this Jesus. A new creation right smack in the middle of the old one. The ultimate kickstart. God's ultimate new start in the midst of the old. Could it be? Could it be? You remember Isaiah? He dreamt of a new start that comes from beyond. Mary asks, how can this be? I wasn't planning on kids. And Joseph and I haven't, well, you know, we haven't done what's necessary. Not a problem, says the angel, or at least words to that effect. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of God of Most High will overshadow you. God's Spirit generates the new start. That's what the virgin birth is all about. Behind all the irrelevant things said about it, it tells us it's God from beyond who makes the really new start in the midst of the old. Not Israel's spirit, not the human spirit, not your spirit, not mine, not the American spirit, and not even the British spirit, but God's spirit. And that is incredibly good news, because if it's true, it means that God is not locked into the old worlds we've created. It means God is not locked into the Roman Empire 
or any other would-be empire for that matter, Congress, the immigration system, the tax system, the school board. It means God is not trapped by our failures, the cruel parenting, the scheme that's collapsed, the careless words that seems to ruin somebody's life. It means God is not constrained by our cynicism about ourselves, our low self-esteem, our sense of inadequacy, our low IQ in a university town. God is not jammed into our cynicism about the future the way a spanner gets jammed into a machine. God isn't ruled by the grinding wheels of the old world. This Jesus of Nazareth is God's ultimate new start from beyond. You remember Isaiah's dream? It was a dream of a new start that won't run down. Some of you may know Johnny Cash's last song, or at least the last song he recorded. When he looks back over the life he's lived, lamenting so much waste, he sings, everyone I know goes away in the end. And in the video, when he sings it on the video, at that point he glances at a picture of his mother and his wife stands next to him, those who never stopped loving him. Everyone I know goes away in the end. In this life, indeed, love does run out. Could there be a kind of love that never runs down and never runs out? That doesn't dissolve along with everything else? The love born at Bethlehem, the love that entered our old dying world, the love that went down with loud cries and tears, as we heard from our reading, down into the pit of hell for you and for me on a cross. The love that raised Jesus from the dead to be our high priest. All this to prove once and for all that God won't give up on those he's claimed. Even, especially, indeed, in the face of death. The ultimate new start that won't run down. And Isaiah's dream of a new start was a dream of the world being made new. Notice that when God makes the ultimate new start in Jesus, Israel isn't wiped out. Mary is a Jew. Jesus is a Jew to the core. No, Israel isn't wiped out. Israel is reconstructed, remade. God generates a new people out of the old, and that's us. We are the living proof that God makes the old new. And notice when God raises Jesus from the dead, he didn't leave the body of Jesus decomposing in a grave, but recomposed it into a body they could hardly recognize at first. A body radiant with new life, a glorified body, alive, much more alive than us, never to die again. And notice when God brings this universe to a climax at the end of time, we're talking about a new world with a thousand new colors. This world without pain and loss and tears. This world flooded with the goodness of God. The Bible's vision of the new heaven and the new earth is not otherworldly, it's newworldly. Christianity is not otherworldly, it's newworldly. Could it be that the things which crush us most 
will in some indescribable way be made new and that this can start even now, even in Lent. The dyslexia I can't defeat. The project at work that's going nowhere. The marriage that's already gone nowhere. Nothing new under the sun. Or perhaps everything can be new under the sun. Could it be? So that's our question this Lent as we live in the old world, stretching toward the new world of Easter. Not so long ago, I went to hear a production of Benjamin Britten's opera, Peter Grimes. Grimes is an isolated, tortured fisherman, hounded by his own community, mired in a world of shame, the old world. At one point, he stares up at the stars of the night sky and sings. It's unbelievably poignant if you hear this particular moment. And he sings, now the great bear and Pleiades, the stars, where earth moves, are drawing up the clouds of human grief, breathing solemnity in the deep night. Who can turn skies back and begin again? Who can begin again? The words reminded me of a, the story of a close friend shared with me some time ago. And with this, I'll end. He was a bishop, and he was visiting Bethlehem. Like thousands of other tourists, he went to the Church of the Nativity. I expect some of you have been there. He took the staircase down to the crypt underneath and stood in front of that gold-plated star, the spot where Mary was supposed to give birth to Jesus. Unusually, the church was virtually empty that day, and he knelt to pray. And he began to weep, weep at the thought of the horrific things the church had done through the ages in the name of this child of Bethlehem. The dreadful cruelty, oppression, torture, division. And he cried out in the darkness, Lord, if only we could just begin again. And out of the silence, he was convinced he heard a voice. But you can. That's why I came. 